0: Welcome to Reconstructed Faith, a podcast where we talk about truth you can build your life on. We hope to dive into the hard conversations of life and faith and seek out reasonable, substantive answers. My name is Colson Lechner, and I am joined by Chris Sherrod, Chris Legg, and Brent Starnes. This is Reconstructed Faith. Hello and welcome to the Reconstructed Faith podcast. My name is Colson Lechner, and while several of us are out of the office during the holidays, we are sharing valuable episodes that we hope will encourage you and remind you of truth. So in the meantime, we are busy putting together our new series that centers on politics as it relates to faith and foundations, as well as digging into tough topics under the umbrella of politics that have led people to question their faith and deconstruct. So we hope you enjoy the episode, and we can't wait to jump into our new series soon. We are continuing on with our uh, definition series, kind of setting the stage, setting the foundation uh, for a lot of the words and the thoughts that we're going to be talking about, kind of as building blocks. So we've talked about truth and unpacked that. So if you haven't listened to that, please take a a little while and and listen to that. That'll be beneficial as you're listening to our podcast. But today we're going to be talking about faith and the importance of faith and defining faith. Correctly, yeah. Chris Legg, do you want to do you want to start us off this morning? Okay. So here's what
1: struck me, even as we were talking about this just now, struck me is the fact that we're looking to define these terms already says so much about our worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, the three of us in the room that we that we think words have definitions that is not necessarily a common teaching. Um, in fact, in in uh, deeply postmodern thought, it's that kind of thing is rejected. There are not fundamental statements. There are no Definitions for words. Um But it's, I always it's like your example of, from Alice
2: in Wonderland. Yes,
1: yes. Lewis Carroll, um in Alice in Wonderland does the um essentially mocks um I think I think I've read this beyond just my own opinion, but that that Alice in Wonderland is essentially Lewis Carroll mocking the postmodern um perspective on things. Really? Because it's it creates a madland, a, a yeah. mad a, a land of madness. I mean, right. everyone's crazy if you do this, but I think it's actually in through the looking glass when Alice is talking to.
2: Cheshire Cat.
1: Is it the Cheshire Cat? Yeah. It's not Humpty Dumpty. Oh, I. It may. I think it's Humpty Dumpty. Wait a second. Let me. I, give me one second here in the podcast world. Mm-hmm. Um, Humpty Dumpty. And is this
0: something that we can like? Got pull it, right the
1: audio. audio. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry. No, it's just me. Okay. Great. Um, Yep. It's Humpty Dumpty. Humpty,
0: okay. When I use a word,
1: Humpty Dumpty said in a rather scornful tone, it means just what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. Now, the problem is Humpty Dumpty and, and Alice have been trying to have a conversation and he keeps using words that make no sense within the context at all, make no sense. And so she confronts him on this, uh-huh. wait, that word doesn't mean that. And that's when he says, when I use a word, it means what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. The question said, Alice, is whether you can make words mean so many different things. This is the chilling statement because that, okay, can you just, are you allowed to do that? Yeah. The question is, so he's, he's mocking her. So she says, the question is whether you can make the words mean so many different things. The question is, says Humpty Dumpty, which is to be the master. Mm-hmm. That's all. In other words, do I get to tell you what the word means or do you tell me what the word means? And it's all going to be dependent upon who's the strongest. And, and that's a worldview shift that right there describes that. I use that picture, um, from, it's actually one of the sketches in the original copies of, uh, through the looking glass is mm-hmm. of them talking. And the, the, that's the question of a worldview change is when you say, okay, the master just changed. And so our it's culture, the,
2: yeah, radical is, autonomy. It's the, that's the original, right.
1: Yeah. They get to say, no, no, that, that the other worldview gets to now gets to say, no, this is the rule. Now this is the rule and everyone needs to conform to that rule. Well, who says, and the answer is, well, whoever is master does, mm-hmm. whoever is strongest, whoever can cost you something, whoever. And that's a scary thought, <clears throat> especially when you've been living under a worldview that with all of its flawed application, like the Judeo-Christian worldview, because Christians are flawed and messed up and people um, with all the flawed application involved in it, it's, it's morality Demands tolerance of other views um, and love of other humans, and so that's part of the Christian worldview. As the Judeo-Christian worldview is demand, all humans are worthy of dignity. Mm-hmm. What happens if the next worldview is well? If you go back and listen to the last podcast, the last stuff you said, Chris shared at the very end, that atheist statement about mm-hmm. that there's none of this stuff really matters. Right? We're just we're just animals that don't have any. There's no morality. There's no right and wrong. There's no Afterlife, there's no meaning to any of it. Well, if that's your fundamental worldview statement, if that's your foundational statement: is we're just slightly more complex wolves. Well, I mean, wolves eat each other, so and they it's that's it's it's a, it's a dark thought. I hate to start off with, but just to recognize the postmodern metaphysic, the postmodern worldview is that that there are not absolute statements; they don't mean anything. If I say I'm going to define truth to mean this and someone else will say, well, that's your truth. Mm-hmm. You just defined your truth. Now let me define my truth. And and
2: there's no, there's no arbiter to decide which one of us is correct on that. So, well, it just means you can't land anywhere or it's going to come down to what Dumpty said. It's, it's power. It's that's who, right. Who can, who can dominate the other person and <laughs> right. make them believe that right. worldview.
1: Watch. I'll punch you. Then it'll be, agree with me that my view is the right one or I'll hit you again.
2: Yeah. what what faith isn't uh biblical faith there is a whole lot of blind faith out there so the famous atheist richard dawkins his definition of faith is literally belief that isn't based on evidence so that's the way he defines it and a lot of people think that that that's the definition of it uh that it has nothing to do with evidence or you don't need to you know use your brains anymore those kinds of things and so There is a version of faith like that, that I would just call it's blind faith. It's choosing to believe something, um, in spite of the evidence or, um, it's even the phrase, a um, a leap, like a leap of faith bothers me Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's close your eyes and jump. It's this this impression that I have to, well, I'm just going to throw all reason out the window and, um. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of churches, a lot of Christians reinforce that idea. Oh, my gosh, that, yes. That reason and faith have nothing to do with each other. And that they're um, opposite
1: to each other. Right, That right. they're in opposition.
2: I was raised on that. Yeah, I saw a church marquee that said that reason is the greatest enemy that faith has.
0: Oh, my gosh. Right.
2: And so one of my pet peeves is oh, church marquee. Oh, yeah, me too. We'll have to have a segment, a church marquee segment <laughs> oh. in our podcast.
1: Man, you want to get me fired oh, up. Know, my kids I will know. tell you. Thank you that they...
2: they Anyway, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There have been times I want to pull over and like go inside and say, "Who put this up here? I, <laughs> exactly. Can I talk?" To you? But anyway, so the 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 idea is that blind or faith all has to do with sincerity, right? and feelings and and that's religion whereas like there's knowledge and there's right. truth and there's fact and there's reality and they they just don't go go with each other. And so again, a lot of Christians reinforce this. I love though the way C.S. Lewis said Coming to faith, coming to Christianity was not a leap in the dark, but a step into the light. Yep. And so that's <laughs> Don't you wish you could talk and I write know, right? like that? <laughs> Every time you hear that, you're like, that's why you're quoted all the time. Because you yep, say you deserve so well. it. So my definition of of biblical faith is trusting in what you have reason to believe is true. Yep. So e- equating faith with trust or belief, yep. like that that's more the bibl- biblical view but it's what you have reason to believe is true. And you see a lot of examples where God gives evidence or God gives reasons. Um, Yesterday at church, John read from Ezekiel and over 60 times in the book of Ezekiel, God says that you may know that I'm the Lord. Yep. And so I'm going to give you reasons to believe it. So it's again, uh, there's a lot of verses that back that up, that it's not blind faith. It's uh, it's not wishing. It's not that sincerity is all that matters. It's, um, Yeah, it's well-grounded trust you can can use. And again, I think that's where if you look in, even in Exodus where in chapter six, God says, I'm going to do these things uh, against Egypt so that Israel will know that I'm God. And then chapter seven, he says, I'm going to do these things so that Pharaoh will know or the Egyptians will know. It was like the evidence is going to show something. And then you fast forward to the New Testament where in Mark two, Jesus heals a paralytic, but his first words before he healed him were your sins are forgiven which set everybody off. Cause like no, only God can forgive. Oh, sin. such a great passage. And Jesus goes, okay. So obviously me just saying your sins are forgiven, you can't see that happen. Um, and so he actually asks the question, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or, you know, get up and walk. And then he says this, and I think this is uh, helpful helpful our definition. He says that you may know, not hope, not wish that you may know that the son of man has the authority to forgive sins. And then he turns to the guy and says, take up your mat and walk, Um, take up your bed and walk. So his point is um, I'm appealing to evidence. Like I'm saying, here's, I just made a claim actually to be God. And this is, that's what was going on there. Right. He was saying that because they reason only God can forgive sins. So he said, I just made a claim there and I'm now going to back it up by doing something that, that gives evidence to it. Um, So that's, that's kind of my definition of, of faith. And
0: so in our culture right now, where it seems like faith is just you know what you think mm-hmm. or how you feel about that is that fundamentally then just a wrong definition? Say yours again, Chris. Define it. I said trusting in what you have reason to
2: believe is true. Okay. And for some reason, and I, again, I think if you look through Scripture, that's what's presented. That even Hebrews eleven one, the words that are used there in the Greek that Paul uses have to do with proof, guarantee, evidence. Um. Even in a little later in Hebrews eleven again, all about faith that talks about Abraham reasoned and it's where we get the word logic, right, um, right? he, so it's, it's again, not taught in scripture that you just throw your, your, you check your brains at the door, um, that it's blind faith, things like that. Again, sometimes my faith can go beyond what I can see or beyond reason. Like that's wow. But I have, there's good reason for me to still trust what God is saying. That's actually the context of Hebrews 11, 11, talking about Sarah's faith. Uh, And it actually says that she considered him faithful who had made the promise. In other words, you're telling me that at my age, I'm going to have a baby. Right. That sounds, that goes beyond, you know, what I can see. But the person who made the promise is trustworthy. She she reasoned, therefore I'm going to believe. So It
1: would be irrational to believe that unless someone has the power to make it happen. That's all the time when when I'm talking with somebody, they'll say it's, it's about something like that. Like it's irrational for a donkey to talk. I'm like, well, I mean, unless there's someone who has the power to make a donkey talk and then that's not irrational. That's like saying it's irrational for my nine year old to do back surgery on me. Yes. It's not irrational that a back surgeon would do back surgery on me. And so if someone has that power, that skill, that ability, it's not irrational to think they would do it. If someone doesn't, it is irrational to think they will do it. That's a, and and so, the one of the difficulties, and I, I I sympathize with this for the secular thinker, is it's it's not a god of the gaps when we say God God could do that. We're just acknowledging there's not a limit to His capacity, and I understand why that's frustrating. It feels like we're copping out when we say that. But as you know, as Billy Graham, you know, when someone asked Billy Graham about uh, allegedly, there's a lot of legends about him, but that someone said, "You really believe that you know a fish swallowed Jonah?" And he was like, if God wanted it, Jonah could have swallowed the fish. I mean, it doesn't, it's not like that's like a big deal to God. Like, oh no, now I'm stymied. <laughs> oh, and so man. Yeah. what do I do with this? And and so if you spin stars, if you create something from nothing, I mean, that's, there's a leap there. If I'm willing to accept there is someone who can create something from nothing, nothing else is all that tough, relatively speaking. Um, to say, well, he kept, how could he keep three people alive in a furnace? Like, I mean, he created stars. I don't see why that would be a ch- that's certainly not a challenge. like that's a tiny, tiny little capacity compared to what I am claiming God did. and so it's not it's not hard for me to imagine that God would have that so now, um one of the things that hopefully will be fun for people listening to the podcast is is when Chris and Chris disagree with each other.
0: yeah, and so
1: I this is actually not a very good disagreement. It's a slight disagreement in wording. So I would take out the word reason. Now I'm going to agree with Chris that that is the correct definition for faith. That would be the right, best definition for faith. I define faith as a psychological state of having been convinced to trust something. So Chris is saying you have a reason to trust it. I'm not so I'm not so confident that you have an actual reason to trust it. You just do trust it. Does that make sense?
0: You're you're giving me an uncertain
1: look.
2: Keep unpacking it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Colson
1: was like. Thinking about lunch.
0: I was or I was just thinking about all the words you said. And I was like, okay, got it. I had a I got into, in a discussion
1: with um uh, a boss and some friends one time, and I got done talking, and then my boss goes, "Yeah, we all know you can say a lot of words." <laughs> like, no, Shoot, uh, yes, I'm busted.
0: Yes. So if you were going to unpack the difference,
1: then okay. so Chris would say, well, the way Chris's definition was trusting what you have reason to believe is true. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I would say you may or may not have a reason to believe it's true. Faith just says you do believe it's true. Mm -hmm. You may or may not have a good reason. You can have blind faith. You can have unreasonable faith. You can have delusional faith. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe you would follow all of those under reasons. You would just call them bad reasons. Yeah. Or blind. Yeah. But
2: Yeah. I see what you mean. So I, I
1: say it's a psychological state, of having been convinced of something. That's why I when, when people use the word faith, they usually either mean it as a pronoun for their religion. Like, well, you know, my faith, every, every, teaches, my yeah. faith teaches this, or um, we're making faith exemptions for yeah, some yeah, law yeah. or something. And what they mean is you're, you're one of those religious kooks and, and we're giving you a name for that. Or it is a, I'm no, I don't want to say the word Christianity because I know it's offensive, so I say my faith. Yeah. Or I don't want to say Islam because that makes people mad and that's why I say my faith. Um, but, but so we use it as a pronoun for religion, right? I don't like that usage. I, I, I try to avoid it, but I find myself doing it all the time, especially when I'm talking to people, I don't know what they believe. Mm -hmm. And I I really am using it to kind of, I'm not yet going to reveal which faith it is because I know the minute you hear it, we're, we're probably done talking. Like I just, (laughs) um, I think when we use faith, we usually use it. And it's going to sound weird from an English perspective. We're using it as a verb We're using it as a noun because we don't have a verb word for faith. Um, In the Greek, they do, but we're using it as a verb. When I say, I have faith in something, Mm -hmm. I could simplify that if we had the word faith as a verb. I faith that, right? Um, There's one sense in which all faith is, is trust. You could could define it in just that word. That's the verb form. I believe. I trust. Um, That's what faith means. So it almost always needs a modifier, in my opinion. What type of faith? I, I believe this. How are you believing it? It is, a, it is a reasonable faith. It's a rational faith. It's an irrational, like I just used all the ones I just did, delusional, blind, um, evidence-based, all those things. Because if someone tells me, I believe that, if I, so I take out the word faith, put in the word belief, which is the verb form in our Bible, almost always in English, it will use the word, when it's the Greek word for faith, but it's in verb form, the Bible put in the word belief, I believe. So if you ask somebody, what do you believe? If they tell you they believe something, they have given you nothing except their own personal perspective. Um, ask anybody what they believe right now. Here we are in, in what is this, October of 2021? Ask people what they believe about the vaccine. They've given you a, probably no information when they're done talking. No, no Nothing standard to build anything by, beyond what they personally hold. That faith, that belief they have is either rational or irrational. It's based on podcasts or, or scientific evidence or whatever. And and the problem is the reason it's so divisive is because we don't know who to trust. We don't know who to trust in America right now. So when I say faith as a firm, almost always needs a modifier. So I would say just to say, I believe this, I faith this, that's all you're telling me is that phrase. I believe this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that the government is, you know, beaming thoughts into my head. Um, or aliens are. And I'm like, okay, I I accept that you believe that. You have given me no information for me to believe that. And that's, that's the statement. I need to know what that belief is coming from. Where are you getting that? Um, And that's also important when someone says, when we talk about why someone stops believing. Mm -hmm. So what does that take? What does that say about their truth statement? Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. I know if someone says, I no longer believe that, what have evidence have they given? What information have they now shared about that statement of accuracy? Nothing. Right. That's no bearing. It doesn't matter what, I mean, in the end, it doesn't matter what we believe about a truth. It's, that's when we go back to the truth definition, right? Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I think I love thinking of faith. It helped me so much when I started thinking of faith as a psychological state of confidence, essentially. <laughs>
2: And I like to distinguish between the sincerity of your faith and the object of your faith. Mm -hmm. In other words, when, um, I I actually did this, I think two weeks ago with the Ford students, we did a trust fall, where I had a girl up on a picnic table and then I had some guys catching her. Yes. And I said, there's the the two parts that I would say are part of biblical faith or just correct faith, but maybe just faith in general is always the subjective part, the person doing the trusting. Right. But then it's, a trustworthy object. And so Christianity would say, right. this is where apologetics comes in. Yes. We would say the object of our faith. Yes. So it's not just, and so I actually use this verbiage when I talk to my Mormon friends. I say, I'm not, I'm not doubting the sincerity of your faith. I'm doubting the object of your faith. Right. I know you're sincere. I mean, you're committing two years of your life to go door to door in the heat, wear the same thing every day, like whatever right. it is. I know you're sincere. It's what you're sincere about. I mean, the 9-11 terrorists Absol- were sincere. I was just about to go there. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So it's what, what apologetics does is is let me show you that the object of what we're believing in is trustworthy. It's convinced right. me because it doesn't matter when I do the trust fall. I talk about what if I replaced these forged, you know, strong young men with my uh, one and a half year old granddaughter and she's catching you now. <laughs> Right, is, is it all about, but as long as you're sincere, as long as you believe that's all that matters, you go, no, 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 no. Like, yeah, no sorry. We're all going to get, I mean, you're going to get hurt. She's going to get hurt. So it's <laughs> what you're sincere about, right? not just that you're sincere. And I think that's part of the big issue today, even in our culture, that that when you say Christianity is true, people take it to mean mm-hmm. you're not letting other people subjectively believe something or sincerely believe something. You're like, I, I never said that. <laughs> yeah, you go, you knock believe yourself out. Believe <laughs> whatever you want. Yes. It just doesn't mean that it's objectively true. It just means... Right. That's true about you, right? right. I'm, I'm
1: so convinced. many
2: Christian claims come back to this, right?
1: That we we when we say to people, and we we try so many different analogies, whether it's, you know, jumping jumping off a cliff and who can jump across the Grand Canyon, right. like, right? Okay, either you can or you can't. Jumping further is is, is as, doesn't irrelevant. help. Yeah. It doesn't. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen any of the some of my favorite trust fall fails are one of the greatest <laughs> video series in history. Like it'd be. The ones where people fall forward, yeah. I think, are some of the most outrageously wow. funny and horrifying. A person standing up on a ladder, hands across their chest, eyes closed, and someone says, fall. And they fall forward because they don't realize the people are behind them. Oh, And so they think people are in front of them. And oh so they just goodness. fall. And just the terror <laughs> on everyone's face as they fall, is: they realize we can't do anything for this person. It's, it's um man. It, wow. But that's a great... Man, they're apparently sincere. Yep. They just trust Phil with their eyes closed and their hands right. crossed, and they are going to hit
2: hard because they're wrong. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where Paul made this really clear, even in Romans um, chapter 10, where he talked about his fellow Jews. He said, I can testify that they are zealous. Yes. They're sincere. That's a great point. And so I would say what we, what we do, unfortunately, is we think that sincerity and religious activity mean you have truth. And it just doesn't, it means you're, you're sincere. And Paul goes on to say, but the problem is they're trying to establish their own righteousness and not the righteousness that God provides. But his point there is, I know they're sincere. That right. doesn't mean that you have the truth. I mean, I've gotten on the wrong plane before. Yes. I've, I've accidentally given my son Kobe when he was a baby, um, eardrops when I thought they were stomach drops. Like I've, and you would say you were just sincerely wrong. 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 Right. And so again, it's just a reminder that sincerity and truth don't always go together. No. So I believe you that you believe that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you believe that. It's just what we need to talk about is the object of your belief. Yep.
0: That's great. And so then we're seeing a lot of people deconstructing their faith in the way that's like, okay, well, your faith, the object of your faith Probably okay. was what you were talking about, kind of that strong hand faith. May have honestly failed them. Like yes. that's what. Yes.
1: What they, but what they had put their faith in may have truly been false. Yeah. That is one. They fell forward, <laughs> and and they thought like this is what I've been taught all my. And maybe they were taught that their whole life. Churches teach all kinds of horrible things. Right. And maybe they were taught all their life. Um. I I, I teach a program called Womenary. And it's it's women who have already been through Bible study training in incredible levels. I mean, many of them have graduated through all types of, and they wanted some theology training, and so they've asked different people with seminary degrees to come teach them. And it's been amazing over the years, as I throw something out there, the one that stood out to me so much at the beginning was the reference, the fact that that men don't have one less rib than women. And I mean, the room was like a pin drop, as they're like, wait, what? Wait, what? Men? No, no, the evidence of Adam and Eve is that men have one less rib than women. And I'm like, right. oh my gosh, no, no, they have the same number of, right. like, oh, shoot. You you have read those accounts as there's some, you know, Native American myth that like, and that's why rabbits have long ears. Like, and that, that kind of a thing versus realizing, no, no, this is, there's something being taught there that you've missed at the expense of some weird mythological story. Yep. And, and it's a... Uh, and people still do it. Even that's a wrong. Even when they say, "And that's why snakes slither on the ground." Even that is a total misunderstanding of that passage. So, um, you know, when you referenced Paul in uh, in Romans ten, I was thinking of what he says in in Acts seventeen. Um, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Mm-hmm. For I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. I, like, I mean, if you if you were in Athens in the first century, there was no doubt these were a religious people. Right have Have you gotten Have you been up on the Mm -mm. a crop areopagus Areopagus? i've never been there i've seen in athens oh my gosh i couldn't anyway but the uh i could not believe so there's not much up there but what they had they had the the guy the guide is showing us these little divots in the ground yeah in the stone pavement and uh and there's these little divots and he says um maybe she she says um every one of those divots is where an idol stood Hmm. oh my gosh guys they're like every foot and a half wow on the whole mountaintop there's just if they were all there there would be a tiny path winding between them yeah and that's what paul walked up to yeah was to
2: regard re- this conversation and just man you guys clearly are religious people and see he's he's complimenting the sincerity part that's he's right like, i know you're sincere look look at all this stuff yep. what i want to do now what what's funny is he then offers like i'm going to correct you like i'm that's actually right. going to tell you now the the truth yep so he does a little bit of both where he's like, um, and he even quotes their poets. And that's like right. Says, like, this is great. and He's making common ground, but then he actually says, but now, and what I love is at the end of that sermon, he says, and God has given proof of this by yep. raising Jesus from the dead, but it's actually the Greek word faith. He's given uh pistis. He, he's oh, given nice. faith by raising. It's, it's the word that we translate in that context as, as evidence or proof or, but he then appeals to objective evidence um so he's talking about both That's of so those cool. things there. That's great. And now I've got a comment because I can imagine
1: if we have any listeners um they're <laughs> going to be thinking um, gosh you guys are way off on this this is not how I was raised at all. Right. I mean I, this is not accurate how I was ra- I've listened I've been a Christian my whole life and I was never allowed to ask hard questions. I was always shut down when I tried to ask those hard questions. I was always told you know, that was hurting Jesus's feelings when I asked questions like this. Um, and so I just can't imagine that there's going to be people who are feel like this is irreverent or we're, we're, we're treading on God's toes or something because you're just, listen, you're just supposed to believe what God says to believe and not, not ask any questions, not ask those hard questions because people get really uncomfortable when yeah. you do. And I'm trying to think of who it was. Someone told me just the other day that there was a question that they asked a pastor and when they were a child and they got their head bitten off by the pastor mm. for their lack of faith and their doubt and told, you know, essentially don't come back, don't ever uh, come back. Yeah. And, and that, that set her on a path for years of mm-hmm. of going, Oh gosh. And that's just this weird pay no attention to the man behind the curtain kind of religion. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so if you were raised with that version I, it's, I was grew up in a situation where there was some of that in the church that I grew up in. Fortunately, I was raised by uh, a scientist, my dad, environmental scientist, and my mom, who's a speech pathologist, and we were always not only allowed but encouraged to ask questions about just about any of it. I just can't like imagine
2: that. you ever asking questions. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> yeah, there were other places where I would do. I also, I even even when I did it, when it was somebody who could have shut me down, like a Sunday school teacher if they didn't have any idea what they were talking about, they would just say like, you know what, Chris, that's a great question. Let's, let's get back to the subject at hand because I probably was often off top. I know it's a crazy thought,
2: me off topic. Right. (laughs) But, um, I really, speaking of back to, (laughs) well, can I give an example though? Please do. Uh, Of, of, if people are wondering like, Oh, you should never doubt. Yeah. Right before Jesus gave the greatest compliment to John the Baptist ever, no man born of woman is greater than John, right? Yes. John had just asked, he just questioned, really, are, right. Jesus, are you really, who, are you really the one who I thought? So here's John. He's the, essentially the last old Testament prophet in one sense. He's coming on the scene, making these, I'm preparing the way for the Messiah. He's the one that God told me. And then that lands, he ends up in jail and he's, he's having doubts. And so he sends his disciples to Jesus saying, so are you the actual one or should we be waiting for someone else? Yep. And I can picture John's kind of like, this is not how I saw this ending. Yep. And so Jesus doesn't reprimand him. He doesn't go, what are you thinking? How could you doubt? You're supposed to be my wingman, whatever it is. This is the guy who leapt in his mother's womb when he right. met Jesus. Right, right. Jesus then appeals to evidence. He goes, go back and ask John, so what have you seen? What evidence is there? And so, you know, the, the you know, blind are seeing the lammer walk, all those things. And then he turns to the audience, to the people around him. And starts talking about John. What did you expect to see of things? But then he compliments John yep. in the greatest way possible. So again, Jesus isn't scared of our questions, and it's not. You don't ever see that the the teaching or the I- in implication in scripture like don't come to God with your doubts, don't come to Him with your questions. We talked about Thomas last time, yep. who was just honest, yep. You know, so I,
1: I think of twice Paul does this once with Thessalon in the Thessalonians are for the Thessalonians. And then I'm not sure off the top of my head where the other one is. Um, but when he's talking to Thessalonians and he's saying, don't despise prophecies. In other words, don't throw them away automatically. Right. But test everything. Hold fast to what is good. And that, that's by the way, that the Greek word there test that's documas. Mm, yep. Um, that's and good. so to that's the, that's the root of it anyway, but the um, test it don't, this is, this is the story right before I told it that I was referencing in, um, I think the Berean Church is right before the Athens church. Yep, yep, it's very like soon before that. You're right. When it talks about the, um, it's a church that Paul comes and preaches and he teaches. And when he gets done, they all go, all right, we'll go home and check. <laughs> yep. And so they go gather and they get copies of the, apparently of the scriptures and they test everything Paul says and they're honored. This isn't What's our What's amazing to me is how often people walk away from Christian teaching, saying, "You know, somehow doubt is a lack of faith, or doubt is sin, or doubt is." And I'm like, "I'm like, here, here's my Bible. Show me. Yeah, find me an example of that. With especially in the New Testament, find me any example that you could even twist to say that. And I just yeah. don't think it's there. Yeah. So I'm um, our Our faith is not dependent on our knowledge. That would be Gnosticism. Um, our faith is a, is a gift that we can have and we can reasonably evidentiarily that's a real word or not, this is, we'll, we'll go, go with, with it. it. Um, and we can believe we can accept and we can believe based on that.
2: Yeah.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Reconstructed Faith. If you enjoyed what you heard or were challenged, please leave us a review. it will help other people find us. If you have questions or a topic you'd like to hear discussed, shoot me an email at info at southspring.org. Reconstructed Faith is a resource of South Spring Baptist Church. Remember, don't give up. Trust God. Search for answers.